Hello, and welcome to today's episode of Doing Good, where we celebrate those who are doing good. Doing Good is a 501c3 nonprofit which shares the stories of volunteers who are out there already making a difference. We highlight them to thank them and give them well-deserved recognition and also give all their agencies visibility with you, the listeners. Doing Good is a nonprofit, so if you'd like to visit the website, get involved, or even donate, please visit www.doinggood.tv. Today's episode is part of a new podcast season. The main difference is we now have an educational segment where the guest informs and even teaches you and me about his or her passion. Even though our thoughts and understandings about each cause are probably slightly different, we probably think the other one thinks exactly what we do. So this new segment gives us an opportunity to have the same common understanding of causes for different nonprofits and agencies. Now, without further delay, I'm happy to introduce John Baker, a Nashville area native who volunteers to preserve African-American history in a very personal way. John, would you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and who you are? Uh, Sure. My name's John F. Baker, Jr. I was born in Springfield, Tennessee, which is about uh, 30 miles north of Nashville. Uh, I'm an author, um, historian, uh, genealogist, and I uh, do a lot of genealogical research for families for free, uh, since I know most of their ancestors here uh, locally. Amazing. It sounds like you have quite a depth of understanding. I look forward to hearing more and more about you. Um, So it sounds like uh, this is a very, I'll say, personal passion of yours. How did you get started in genealogy and uh, serving others in this way? Okay, how I got started, when I was in the seventh grade, there was a social studies textbook called Your Tennessee. And there was a photo of uh, four former enslaved individuals only entitled Black Tennesseans. There was an elderly man, a lady, and two people seated and two people standing behind them. And for some reason, I seemed drawn to this photograph and I would look at it each time I go to class. But I had you know, no idea who I was looking at. So um, after we got out of school for summer vacation, it was the plantation where this photograph had been taken 160th anniversary. So they had a photograph of the a story about the plantation and they had a photograph of the white Washington family that established the plantation and the same one that was in my social studies textbook. So my maternal grandmother happened to be visiting uh, from Chicago and she spent the, week, spent the weekend with one of her older brothers. And she asked my mother to have me to bring a camera when we came to pick her up. And I said, mother, why does grandmother want me to bring a camera out to Uncle Bob's house? <laughs> it's out in the country, is it night? And she said, I don't know, just get the camera and do like she says. So when I got there, they had the newspaper article spread out on the kitchen table. And so I said, um, my grandmother said, this is what I wanted you to copy. And I said, that picture's in our history book. Who is that? And so she pointed to the elderly gentleman and his wife. And she said, uh, that's my grandparents. And she said, uh, they were enslaved on the Westington Plantation, which everyone refers to as the Washington Farm. And so uh, my grandmother was excited to see the photograph because she was the youngest child in her family and they passed away before she knew them. Uh, But her brother was about 13, 14 years older than she was, so he knew them personally. So uh, he told me that the White Washington family still lived out there, call them up, tell them who I was and whatnot. So I called and I spoke to a sixth generation descendant of Joseph Washington who established the plantation in 1796. 
So I told her I'd seen the newspaper article and I was interested in my family's history. She invited me out uh, to the house. So my mother uh, took me out there and she brought out, I guess, probably 10 to 12 legal sized documents, which recorded the births of the slaves on the plantation from 1795 to 1860. So she pointed out my great great grandparents names and I was able to find some of my earlier ancestors as well. So it was like stepping back in time because the plantation house was there, the cabins were there, there was a slave cemetery. She took me to the slave cemetery and um, that's where my great great grandfather and mother were buried and earlier ancestors as well. She also told me that the family had deposited all the plantation records in the Tennessee State Library and Archives in Nashville. At that time, they were on microfilm. So I was going through original documents. It's over 11,000 documents and now it's microfilmed on 69 rolls of microfilm. And uh, she told me the names of some individuals that were in their upper 90s, some over 100 years old who had grown up there. And she suggested that I contact some of them as well. So I ended up uh, contacting about 25 of them, and they ranged in age from 80 to 107 years old, who were children or grandchildren of former slaves there. So I got uh, their stories, and and uh, most of the stuff that they had told me could be backed up with the documentation that were in the family papers uh, from the plantation, uh, which is rare. You know, a lot of times people will tell you things and get stories tangled up over the generations, but um, I would say 90% plus of the information that they passed on to me, I was able to back up with documentation. So then at that time, of course, there was no Ancestry.com or anything on the internet. In fact, there was no internet. So I would have to go to library and archives, go through microfilm and all that. So when I would see names of other families outside my own, I would record those names. And I said, sometime in the future, someone's going to ask me about this and I'll already have it. So I got in the habit of doing that over the years. So different people would say, hey, John, do you know who my great grandmother was? And I could say, yeah, and she was born such and such a date. And I would draw a family tree out for them. I do calligraphy and, and I can draw as well. And so I would do family trees uh, for them so they would have the information preserved. When I interviewed some of the individuals, uh, they would have portraits or paintings of their grandparents. So I would uh, ask them to let me take them and have them copied because there was no cell phone. So you could copy them instantly then. So I would take the uh, photographs and copy them and try to dispute, uh, distribute them throughout families. So if something happened to the original, people would have, you know, the backup. What a gift. Oh, my goodness. What an amazing gift. So how do you how did this passion evolve into volunteerism for you? Okay, I, I always uh, loved history and I always uh, loved hanging around older people and listening uh, to their stories. So I would document them. Unfortunately, I didn't record them. And I think if I would have been recording some of the information, they wouldn't have told me as much as they did had they been recorded. So that's sort of a trade-off. So I would document that also knowing that sometime in the future that someone is going to need this information. And sometimes I, uh, someone would be tracing their ancestry and having problems because they were unfamiliar with. So I would volunteer to do that information or to get the information. And I, um, like for genealogical purposes, I've helped the uh, local archives here. Like um, I went through all the death certificates and created a database um, of individuals' names, their parents' names, what cemetery they're buried in. So from A to Z, and it's sorted several ways. I've done that. I've gone through all the will books, deed books, uh, estate settlements, and listed any slaves' names to uh, mention their relationships to one another, uh, all that. 
from 1795 to 1865, uh, up through the end of slavery. So if someone is um, interested in their genealogy, I can just whip it out and, and go through it with ease. Amazing. But it's also, I'll say, in conjunction with an established organization or agency with the Tennessee State Library and Archives. Mm -hmm. So, and that's where the um, volunteerism comes in. I want people, I want listeners to understand that doing good is really, um, yes, of course, you know, we want people to be nice, but we also want people, we want people to understand that they can connect with their local agencies, which frankly allows them to do more of what they want to do. And it helps the agency achieve their mission even that much sooner. So um, it's a win-win situation for everybody. And that's what I want to be sure to connect the dots for if Mm -hmm. possible. Yeah. Um, That's amazing. Thank you for that. And, and thank you for all the service you've given your community. And, and it sounds to me like you've served not only all of the the current and future descendants, but all of the ancestors as well. When you do this and you're, you're somehow able to make the connection of today between yesterday and tomorrow. So it's, um, it's wild to me to hear your stories. So thank you for sharing. Um, Speaking of, are there any stories that you want to share of your volunteerism um, and how you've perhaps brought a family together or maybe um, a a feeling that you received as you served them? Okay. Um, Recently, I met one of my cousins uh, through DNA connection. Uh, He's 80, I think 85 years old. Uh, His name is Derek. And uh, he lives in Louisville, Kentucky. So um, his son had taken a DNA test and our DNA matched. And so um, Derek didn't know much information about his grandmother or or anyone in his family. He he remembered as a child, his grandmother came from Tennessee, moved with them, but she rarely, if ever, talked about her family or anything. So after I made a connection with his son, I told him I had written a book about uh, our ancestry and it's called The Washingtons of Westington Plantation and subtitled Stories of My Family's Journey to Freedom. So he got the book and he read it and uh, he became very intrigued about his ancestry. So his son said, dad, I'm coming to visit you because his son lives in Minneapolis. And so he said, I'm going to come to visit you. Uh, what uh, He said, I'm going to treat you to something. What can I do? He said, well, it's on my bucket list. He said, I want to meet my cousin, John Baker. He said, I want to go to the plantation and see where our ancestors came from. So he came down and he was very touched. Uh, I took him about uh, around the main house, the African-American cemetery on the plantation, uh, a restored slave cabin. And I, I gave a tour for him and the other individuals at the same time. So uh, he was very touched. And I showed him my family tree that has about 1,500 uh, names on it. And he was thinking, I didn't think that we really had that many relatives. And he said, now I find out I got about 1500 of them that I, that I didn't know. So he, he was very touched by that. And we stay in contact. Oh, that's amazing. I can't imagine being related to 1500 people. <laughs> like that yeah. just is, it is out of my, um, ability to, to, to think that way. So that's wild. And, um, mm-hmm. and what a, what a great experience. And a lot of times I go, a lot of families here have family reunions and I know more, even that's not related to me, I know more about their ancestry than they do. So I'll do a presentation and then I'll uh, draw a family tree out and then uh, explain to them their family's history, how they're related to one another, all that. And what an amazing idea for 
families anywhere and everywhere to do at their family reunions or even mm. give reason to have a reunion if they haven't had one in forever. You know, right. I think so often, sorry, this is getting a little out there, but I do feel like in today's world, we're pulling apart. We need mm. to pull together more. And that's just one way to do it. That would be so interesting um, because you never know. You never know. And um, yeah. yeah, and I I think you, you've you spoken about your own personal uh, family tree. Can you explain that just a little bit for us to understand the capacity of what this 1,500 yeah, relatives is? You want me to show is? it to you? Sure. Okay. Just so you get an idea. <laughs> okay. This is my family tree, and it spans from 1760 to 2013. Oh, my goodness. 1760 to 2013. Yeah, and I did this by hand, and it took about 12 hours. I'm not sure if they can hear you on the recording, oh. so I'm repeating it. That's all. That's all. It's So it took you about 12 hours. Oh, I would think it'd take far more. Um, and you did that by hand. Yes. And it measures the paper that it's on measures six feet by three feet. And it is all written and it shows for the listeners who are not able to see it. It shows the relationship. It's just like any family tree that you would expect. It's just far more expansive than you can imagine. And it shows the relationships between each and every person and how one leads to the next. It's wild. Congratulations. That's such a huge accomplishment for the Washington family tree. Amazing. And with it being handwritten that way, it appears that you're able to, or that the users, the family themselves um, mm -hmm. are able to, I'll say, enlarge it and shrink it to where they can use mm -hmm. it well on technology. And here's another chart that just shows a person's direct ancestry. I did this for a friend of mine who was researching her family. Amazing. Okay, so right now he's showing a six-generation chart, which is essentially a layout of six generations that he's filled in the blanks for his family that um, he's done this for. And it is wild. It's interesting to me that, you know, some blanks are filled out and some aren't because, you know, somebody might be single and not marry and not have children or they or they might be, I'll say, widowed and so, well, in their case, that, that's a direct, your direct ancestry. So in the blanks is where I was unable to go back any farther. Oh, that's interesting. It's, it's not like the tree with, where in some cases it dead ends. This is a, a, a person's parents, grandparents, great grandparents, great, great, all the way back. Wow. So the ones that's blank are the ones that I don't have information on. Interesting. Well, see, who knew? I had no idea. That makes perfect sense. I understand you're involved with the A Museum. If you can explain a little bit about um, what yes. museum that is and what you do and how you're involved there, that'd be okay, great. Okay, I'm on the board of trustees of the Robertson County uh, Museum here in Springfield, which is about 30 miles north of Nashville. And I'm working on a project now expanding an exhibit based on uh, the book that I wrote. Uh, in 2014, the Tennessee State Museum did an exhibit called Slaves and Slaveholders of Westington Plantation which was based on my book and research. And um, the exhibit was open from February of uh, 2014 through August, and they had nearly 70,000 visitors. And for the exhibit, it used, um, they used 5,000 square feet of the museum for that exhibit. So it showed how wow. the plantation 
evolved from a small farm to being the largest tobacco plantation in America, largest slave population in the state of Tennessee. So they had a model for the exhibit um, that represented, to show the main house, the cabins, the fields, and, and various other buildings. So uh, when the exhibit left, they donated uh, the model to the Robertson County Museum. So uh, they told me there that more people um, have questions about that exhibit more than any, any other thing that they have there. And so they often want to know what happened to the enslaved families after emancipation. So I'm working uh, now showing the, the first couple of generations after emancipation, uh, where they went, the businesses they started, churches, schools, and what they did from there. So interesting. So hoping to have that completed uh, sometime within the next month so we can start assembling uh, that for the public to view. So in which uh, that uh, is about Westington, but, you know, most all African-Americans, we share that same story. So it, mm -hmm. it's representative of, of all of us. Absolutely. Right. Well, if you can explain a little bit more about to us uh, about for this educational segment of mm -hmm. doing good, if you can explain literally what is genealogy now that we've talked all about this cool stuff, you know, we, we should under, walk away understanding what is genealogy? What is it that you're doing? What I'll say, like you, like you explained to me a minute ago, what is the difference between a family tree and tracking the ancestry? So, okay. um, yeah, if you can just fill us in a little bit and and okay. you know let us be your students for just a minute. Okay, but, genealogy is tracing uh, the study of tracing one's ancestry, like your parents, grandparents, great grandparents back to the end of time, so back to Adam and Eve, so to speak. So it's going back as far as you can. Documenting, uh, it's very important that you document uh, the information because uh, just say, for instance, a lot of the stories that I got when I was a child uh, in the 70s from people that were 90 and 100, 100 plus years old, some of the stories that they're telling, that's that's it. There's no other documentation for it. So it's very important to document uh, what you're told. Document what you know, what's said to you. And sometimes, uh, like in my case, I could document on paper, you know, what I was told. The difference in a family uh, tree and the genealogical chart, the genealogical chart tracks your ancestors, your parents, grandparents, great-grandparents on back. A family tree starts at that earliest ancestor you have and comes down, which includes their kids, grandkids, great-grandkids. So it, it would encompass everyone in the family, the tree would. The chart just shows uh, your direct ancestry. So interesting. It sounds like something everybody needs, like truly, like we should all know where we come from. Right. Who you're related to. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I, I've had uh, many people that are, are friends that grew up together. And I say, did you know you were uh, you know, related to someone? And they say, how are we related? And I said, your great grandmother, their great grandfather was sister and brother. So your third cousins. And <laughs> how do they respond to that? That'd be great. Uh, they're amazed and they say, well, you've always seemed like family anyway, so but it's good to know. <laughs> that is good to know. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love how I love how we are all part of a bigger picture. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. So um, how would you what would you suggest to I'll say anyone of any age, be it a youngster, like a seven year old like you were or someone who is older, who is interested in their own genealogy, how would you um, encourage them to either get involved or frankly, to start volunteering in it? 
Okay, first would be to start with what what you know with your parents, get as much information as you can on your parents, then ask them what they know about each generation going back and then uh, document that. And then now, uh, which they didn't have any of this when I uh, I was young, you can go on Ancestry.com, you can go on FamilySearch.org, which is a uh, free website, and there's tons of information. So you can key in um, John Smith, born in 1962 in Tennessee, and it'll pull up any information um, similar to, uh, to that, and then you could weed out which is the person that you're looking for. And so, and often you can pull the documents like census records, death certificates, uh, uh, military enlistments, all, all types of documents, school records, uh, photographs. And in uh, uh, many cases, someone else in your family may have already done research because I was attempting to help someone yesterday. And when I went on to do some research, someone else had already done the family tree. They had photographs and all this. So I sent that, you know, to that person. Wow. So that, and they're going to make a connection, you know, because this is like probably their third cousin. So they're going to make a, a connection and find out another branch of the family that they didn't know they had. Now, and this sounds good and easy and all, but then again, I start thinking for myself, how do I even start to pull these documents and these this film? Where do I go for this? Okay, you can go on uh, FamilySearch.org, which is a free site. And uh, you could go f- starting with your parents or grandparents. Uh, the latest census um, records that are out is from 1950. So you'd have to get someone when you're doing census research, at least someone who was living in 1950. So in some people's case, it may be a, a great a grandparent or great grandparent. Um, some of us, uh, others, uh, you know, may be your parents or even and, older siblings. Right. And then are there, I'll say, local places, I'll say local anywhere um, where we could go in person to look through or sift through the papers ourselves and Uh put our hands on them? Yes, you can go to archives, you can go to uh, courthouses, um, library, uh, libraries, a lot of libraries have genealogical sections like uh, ours here in Springfield. And a lot of times other people have documented, you know, your your family name. So you can look in the uh, index and see if they're uh, if there's any people in your the share family names would you like so Baker Smith Jones or whatever you could look that up and see if that's you know your family and sometimes it's already done which is good to double check this anyway because uh, sometimes it's possibility is not totally accurate but I always yeah. like to double check. Well, and so a couple of things come to mind first. Like I'm thinking for my name, the spelling might be slightly different. Um, so is that ever a, a concern? Oh, yes. Someone? Often a concern. The person I was helping uh, yesterday, the last name was Warrior. And they, uh, in some cases, they spelled it uh, W-A-R-R-I-O-R. And then another record for the same person's W-O-R-R-I-O-R. So you'll, oh. have, you'll have that uh, often. Wow. And then, too, so if I'll say somebody out there is listening and is interested and you were talking about, um, I can understand everybody knows their local library, hopefully, Mm -hmm. can reach out and walk, drive, get a bus straight there, easy enough. Um, But for archives, is it just a matter of like Googling research, you know, online and saying you're state and archives and seeing what comes up? 
Okay, you could go, uh, every uh, state has an archivist, so you can uh, contact that archivist, probably go online now and see what they have available, because most of the time they have records for every county that are existing. And if they don't, is that a way that somebody could volunteer for that local archives or library? Yes, they are. They always uh, need help, uh, take uh, indexing records, going through things, and then they... um, like uh, Ancestry.com, FamilySearch.org, digitize some of these records to make it available for everyone, which with Ancestry.com, you have to pay for a subscription, but um, FamilySearch.org is free. Awesome. Good to know. Really good to know. Yeah. And then um, also, what about people who have a military uh, background or veteran in their history? Is that, could that be of help in any way in any of this? Yes, it could. There's a lot of information on veterans and websites specifically for that from the Revolutionary War forward. Interesting. That's interesting with the dates. Okay. And then, um, okay, so I, sorry, I didn't mean to get into the weeds, but this is so interesting to figure out how just to get started. So it sounds to me like you have had your hands in all of these parts and pieces of the puzzle along the way. Is that fair? That's correct. Do you have a favorite way of getting involved of getting your hands dirty in 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 the history when you serve others well like- the ma- majority of my research has been in the washington family papers because mm-hmm. um in addition to tracing my ancestry i traced every family that was enslaved on that plantation and so wow. in 1860 there were 274 enslaved individuals there and from 1796 to uh, 1865 there was about 455 individuals totally that were enslaved there. So I've done research for more than 40 years there. And then in my my county, I've done countless other families as well. And I have all, all that documented. Wow. So most of the time, if, if someone goes to the archives in Nashville or the local archives and say, I'm tracing my, my family and my great-grandparents' names, John Doe and Mary Doe, and they'll say, hey, have you called John Baker? Call John Baker up and he'll probably have it. And I made a, a good friend with a lady from Indianapolis. Uh, her family came from Sumner County, which is a adjoining county from here. And so she went to uh, the state archives doing research on her family. And so one of the librarians said, have you spoken with John Baker? And she said, who is John Baker? And said, oh, call him up. He'll help you. And she said, does he work here? And said, no, but he won't mind helping you. So uh, she called me. And after I got off from work, I worked at Verizon Wireless at that time. So I met her and her husband and helped them trace their genealogy. And we became great friends. And then uh, she was the president of a genealogical society in Indianapolis. And I would go up there often and, and do presentations. And oh, so maintained a friendship for about, I guess, 30 years until she passed uh, last year. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. But what a beautiful story. I love that. Yeah. Serving just really connects people. Yeah. And uh, I had one uh, somewhat odd uh, thing that happened. <clears throat> I did a presentation in Cleveland, Ohio, a couple of years ago, I think right before COVID. And so there were hundreds of people there. So this lady came up to me and she said, Mr. Baker, she said, uh, my family came from um, Sweetwater, Tennessee, probably a small town you've never heard of. And I said, I've heard of Sweetwater. And she said, I had so many problems getting here. She said, a, a good friend of mine told me she was going to ride because she was from Indianapolis. And so uh, they called for snow. So the friend backed out. Then something else happened to her car. And she said something kept telling her that she needed to go on. So 
she came. And so she said, I've been researching my family for years. As far back as I've been able to get is my great, great grandfather. His name is Ned Brewster. And I said, and his wife's name is Margaret Ann. She's born in 1854. Uh, he's born in 1852. She said, how in the world did you know that? And I said, I'm psychic. And you should have seen her face. She said, how did you know that? And I said, you know what? I said, uh, I, I'm a uh, supervisor in the call center. My manager's name is Brian Brewster. I finished tracing his roots about two weeks ago. He's your third cousin. So uh, when I got back to work, I told him about it. And he didn't know anything about who she was or anything because her family moved to Indiana in the 1920s. But he told his father uh, what I told him. And his father knew, you know, this lady's grandfather. So they had pictures, portraits, shared all this information with one another. And they met up and they established a relationship. So yes. I've been able to help countless people like that, not even this in my own family. Yes, you have. Oh my goodness. That's stunning. That's just, that's what you dream of. And, and so few people get. So that's amazing that you had the opportunity to do that for others. Yeah. yeah. Well, do you have any uh, final stories you'd like to share with us or maybe um, another story of, um, connection that you were able to make or one that um, impacted you? Well, I've had a, uh, a number of people now, since people are doing uh, DNA testing on Ancestry.com 23andMe, I've had a lot of DNA matches and other people as well. And so I've been able to get them together and then show the documentation showing, because like <clears throat> when you do the DNA, it just shows that you're estimated to be someone's third cousin or whatever. But uh, in many cases, I was able to document where the kinship uh, came through and share this with the individuals. And then they were able to share that, uh, you know, with their families and pass it on. Of course. That's amazing. Well, and as we begin to wrap up uh, today's episode, are there any uh, additional thoughts or stories or um I'll say a message that you want to be sure to get across to the listeners today. Okay. It's very important that you know your ancestry. And, and uh, I say again, if once you collect information, be sure to document it and also spread it throughout the family share it. Uh, it's not just to be hoarded, you know, to yourselves. You need to share it with, with others. And the best way to do this is spread it throughout families and deposit your research in uh, local libraries or archives if they can take it. In uh, 2015, the White Washington family donated funds to have a monument erected in the African-American cemetery at Westington Plantation. And so there was about 200 African-Americans. Uh, we had a dedication ceremony there. And then there was about 50 of the uh, White Washington family members. And we came there to de dedicate the monument in honor of all the enslaved people that were there at Westington. So uh, that brought together a lot of people. And like uh, the White Washington family had never had reunions before. So some of them we're getting to meet each other for the first time uh, through my research. Wonderful. What a partnership and what a great way to benefit everybody. Well, thank you so much for thank bringing you. history to life today for us and to making it current, no matter how far back or how far into the future it stretches. Mm -hmm. And um, what you've shared with us truly, I believe, is a gift and a and a rarity. So thank you really very much for all you do and um, how you're impacting everybody in not just your community, but everywhere it they and their ancestors and descendants touch. So thank you so much. I appreciate you. your time and sure. sharing your talent this way. And um, so thank you, John. And, and if somebody wants to find out more about genealogy 
um, or about you, what websites would you suggest they go to? Okay, I have a website. It's called Wessington.com. It's W-E-S-S-Y-N-G-T-O-N.com. And I also have a, a documentary on YouTube called Wessington Plantation, A Family's Road to Freedom. It's about 30 minutes and it was done by NPT. And also you talked about the free genealogy website. Uh, FamilySearch.org. And then also their local and state archives and libraries. Okay, fantastic. I want to be sure everybody has the information they need in order to step forward. Okay. So thank you. Thank you again, John Baker. And thank thank you. you to today's listeners. We, I look forward to connecting with you in another podcast episode. Okay. Hopefully you'll see us online at Doing Good TV on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, or our YouTube channel or LinkedIn profile. We are all over the place online. Until then, keep celebrating those who are doing good. <laughs>